1: Or keep the watch of the Lord. Now, here's your host for the Warrior's Watch, my friend, Callie Hargraves.
0: This is Pastor Callie Hargraves with Warrior Watch. We're so happy to have you today. Uh, It's just a wonderful day to be serving Jesus and to be living for our Lord. I have a wonderful guest, Laura Gallagher, here with. Uh, an amazing book that she's written called The Delusion. And um, this is a subject um, that I think needs to be talked about. I think we as Christians need to understand that m- most of our battles, are we can't even see a lot of times what we're fighting. But the Lord wants to fight our battles for us, but we need to understand what is out there. So Laura wrote mm-hmm. this book that was really, really... Uh, a, has already been a blessing to so many people, and it's been an eye-opener about spiritual warfare. So, Lori, you want to just kind of read the synopsis of the book. You sent me the synopsis. It's a a, a guy by the name of Owen Edmunds, and he's in his senior year. Can you tell us a little bit about just um, an overall viewpoint of the book?
2: Absolutely. Um, it's considered a Christian fiction, so it is a novel, um, but it definitely has some hard-hitting truths in it, it's about a young man named Owen Edmonds, as you mentioned, and he's a senior at his high school that he's just recently moved to in Masonville, Texas, and he's had a hard life, and he is an atheist. He just has no reason from his worldview to believe in God, and when he arrives at this high school, he, he shows up in the middle of this horrible suicide epidemic that the school is struggling with. And um, his goal is just to, you know, graduate and get out of there. He's got plans um, for college, very ambitious plans. But he ends up having his own near-death experience and then begins to see things in an alternate realm that he just cannot understand. Um, and spiritually speaking, he begins to see the demonic world and how these demons are preying on students and what it looks like to be shackled to sin versus having the light and no shackle and these things that are very rich in in symbolism. And so, long story short, throughout his journey, he has to reconcile issues of faith. He sees angels at work as well, but he wonders why they don't do more to overcome evil, which I think is just a very common question in this life that we wrestle with in, in real life. And so, ultimately, it's his journey to convince his peers that these things are real So just a huge um, swing in his character there and to ultimately reconcile his own um, issues of faith and trusting God. Wow. So let me let
0: me ask you a couple of questions, because I think this is going to help us uh, really grasp, um, you know, why why this book? What inspired you to write The Delusion? What was the inspiration behind that?
2: Yeah, um well I since 2008 have had the privilege of traveling and speaking and writing on the topic of sexual integrity and God's biblical plan for sexuality and family. And um so the more that I've been blessed to do that, I just could see increasingly throughout our churches, not just not just um those who don't profess faith in Christ, but even in churches that they're tends to be a real disbelief um, that there's such thing as a spiritual enemy. It's almost like we've made the devil out to be this imaginary little guy with a pitchfork in tights, and there's no real sobriety about the fact that he is on the prowl, and he is looking to destroy us. And the problem with not understanding that is it breeds complacency in the area of um, biblical morality, because we don't understand how we're opening ourselves up to sin. So long story short— I wanted to write a book that sheds light on the reality of spiritual warfare and this whole world out there, and how our decisions make us um strong or vulnerable against those forces, you and know like the Lord just
0: you know it's, ahead, it's interesting ahead. to me that we as the church, mm-hmm. and you're so right, mm-hmm. want to dummy mm-hmm. down our overall experience with the Lord and even dummy down topics and conversations about spiritual warfare. We don't even want to go there. We don't want to, some people don't even believe it. And then, Mm. but the world is more um, in tune with that. There are actual, there is actually another world and they put it on all the movies and they put it on. I mean, you, you know, 25 years ago, you didn't see mediums on general television No, you didn't. Now you see mediums, you see, um, you know, basically every kind of false. I mean, they're moving in a power. There's no doubt. Many of them are moving in the power. They're just hooked up to the wrong one, you know? And we, exactly. We as the church Mm -hmm. must embrace um, and understand that there is another world out there and that God has given us victory. So I'm so glad. Mm That you were inspired so through your teaching and traveling, you realize, hey, Mm -hmm. the church just doesn't, is not addressing it or doesn't believe it or maybe a little of both.
2: Right. And I just felt like the Lord um, wanted me to address it. And then I was really, I got to be honest, completely surprised when he whispered to my heart and said, what if you do this through fiction? And I was like, what? You know who, me? You know, I've written but it was only nonfiction, didn't even read a lot of fiction, because I, to be honest, would just find it kind of boring. I get lost in these long descriptives. And so uh, it was just quite the journey from there. And I just felt like the Lord was giving me these symbolic ways to symbolize sin and unforgiveness and sin patterns and evil and these things that we really need to, um, we just really need to understand. And like you pointed out, the world become very obsessed with the paranormal yeah. on, you know, on all our Movies and TV shows, um, but unfortunately it's, it's become trendy and there's a lack of sobriety. That no, it's actually the occult, it's occultist right, right. in nature, it's evil, it's demonic. So, um, there's an entanglement with the demonic world that people don't even understand. They yeah, think it's just fun or entertaining. They
0: talk about white magic and black magic, but I hate to tell you, all magic is sin. Uh, that magic right. is not the kind of, you know, now I'm not saying if somebody does some sort of little rabbit trick or something that being funny or, you know, I understand there mm-hmm. are people that, that do honest but when we're talking about white maggot, magic and black magic, there are no nice witches out there. There are no nice warlocks out there. And they may say yeah. they are, but bottom line is, mm-hmm. at some point, if, even if you're not hurting people, the devil's going to hurt you through that entrance and that open door. Um, so what, no is the, what is the overall spiritual message within this fictional storyline? What, what are you teaching and opening our eyes to?
2: Well, it's it's just Ephesians, you know, 6:12 that tells us our struggle's not against flesh and blood, but against rulers against the authorities of this, you know, cosmic age that we're in. So it's it's bringing to light that we are wrestling with spiritual principalities. Um and really there's a huge emphasis on on understanding that there's thoughts that come to our minds that are that are from the evil one. Yeah. And that we have to learn how to discern what we're thinking about and where it's coming from and not just accept everything is it's merely physiological or merely psychological. Obviously we're spirit, soul and body and all those factors at work in us. Um, But it's ironic because we talk about our culture being obsessed with the paranormal and yet we're completely skeptical as a culture as a whole of, you know, these demonic principalities and things of this nature a lot of times and so we don't suspect it when someone's for example struggling with mental health or having these um really down depressive thoughts you know we 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 underestimate the involvement of the spiritual
0: yeah we want to make it just about maybe your chemicals are off balance or maybe this is some sort of genetic problem when a lot of times it is there is a spirit that's been unleashed on them and, exactly. and, and there is a way out of it, but not everything that is bad that happens to us is a devil either. So that's why it's important that we, mm-hmm. um, we know we're sensitive to the spirit and we pray in the spirit so that we can discern mm-hmm. what we're mm-hmm. dealing with. Um, why did you pick, well said. why mm-hmm. do you, why did you pick teen suicide uh, as the theme for the book? Yeah, it's the
2: main theme of the book. Well, Initially, my understanding when that that idea was just really coming to me and on my heart was because it so epitomizes a a person, whether they be a teenager or or an adult, believing the lies to the point that we would end our lives. I mean, that is just such a a drastic, tangible example. And I had no idea because I I wrote, I initially started writing it back in 2012 and self-published it thought it was going to be just seemed impossible to get formally published. But God being God in a matter of years brought that to pass with Tyndale, which has been an amazing relationship. But at the time, back in 2012, um, not that suicide wasn't an issue because it, it have been, but I had no idea it was going to become such an increasing issue like we're seeing it. Um, so it was definitely more at work there than just Symbolism. I mean, it was truly an issue that I believe God wants to address, and it's been incredible to hear the testimonies of young people who have read the book and quite literally changed their mind about killing themselves and said, I have realized I was believing evil. I'm talking young people coming to their parents and saying, I was going to hang myself. You know, I had the date picked out. Here are my razor blades. A young girl said, I've been been self-harming, and I know now this is not— What's right for me? I'm, I'm believing lies, and so it has been so powerful to see young lives literally saved. Yeah, there the is. Story.
0: That's even a, a greater testament that there is no white magic. The enemy comes to mm-hmm. kill, steal, and destroy. Ultimately, he wants to destroy our faith and our life. And, and, mm-hmm. and our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, if mm-hmm. he can, if he can get us to destroy our life, then then you, you, we're no more. Living by faith, and if he can destroy our faith, many times people will take their life, and um, exactly that's what the mm-hmm. enemy comes after. And I, I love that that you chose uh, a fiction book because I think sometimes when people are reading a story. Uh, when you're just trying to mm-hmm. give people information, it may or may not work. But if you can put mm-hmm. it in a story form and in a, in a form that's a little more palatable and is mm-hmm. interesting, I think they 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 tend to gravitate to it. Um, I you, no question. you you mentioned that you wrote the book and mm-hmm. not really realizing how pre, uh, you know how predominant teen suicide mm-hmm. would get. After even writing the book, is that somewhat the prophetic side of the book? Do you feel like that was a, some sort of a prophecy of what was coming forward, or was is there a prophetic message that you feel like God's trying
2: to send through this book? Right. Well, there were little things, not to not to um, trivialize the significance of, of teen suicide and that issue, but what I mean is there were there were things like that throughout the book where I'd realize, wow, okay, this wasn't just an idea for the story. I mean, this was really something God wants to address there was the example of we um had to come up with a fictional texas town and so um i came up with masonville only to find out that masonville colorado has one of the highest incidences of teen suicide you know these things that would come together that were just kind of interesting but wow the bigger prophetic yeah um the bigger prophetic message was actually, I didn't even really see it until recently. The Lord's been speaking to me about it, as I, especially as I'm working on um, the sequel, because there are books in the series. But I did not even know the word delusion was in the Bible. I don't know how this passage got past me, but in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, the Bible talks very plainly about the lawlessness that will be in the earth and how deceived people will be. And then it goes on to speak, again, in, in that second chapter of 2 Thessalonians, it speaks of the lawless one, talking about that um, Antichrist who will rise to power and be lawless, and he will deceive. It says um, says it right here, the coming of the lawless one, verse 9 and Second. Thessalonians 2 is based on Satan's working with all kinds of false miracles, signs and wonders and with every wicked deception among those who are perishing and it goes on to say they perished because they did not accept the love of the truth and so be safe and for this reason God sends them a strong delusion and so I, I'm realizing now wow God is trying to use this book series to wake young people up to the reality of Satan's strategies and tactics um, especially in the sequel, gets a lot into how the enemy appears as an angel of light and can have these false signs and wonders. And so it's long as I mean, it would be awesome if all it was was a, um, a fictional story with special truth. But I, I believe with all my heart it's even more than that. It's a call to young people to discern the times they live in and to wake up and recognize what's coming. Of course, we don't know when that exact day will come but to be prepared to discern
0: good and evil. There was a man of God that wrote a book and I wish I could remember his name. My, 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 uh, my 57 year old brain is failing me right now. (laughs) uh, He wrote a book about, he had seen, uh, he was an assembly of God, man. He was well known. He, um, you know, was Mm -hmm. like a presbyter and just a real father figure to hundreds of men of God across America. But he, uh, he had visitations uh, for several years before he died, and the Lord would mm-hmm. send angels, and he would, and the Lord would reveal things to him. And one of the mm-hmm. things the Lord revealed to him and, was that when we pray, when we pray, mm-hmm. and like we're praying for a lost loved one, that the angelic, mm-hmm. that the that there will be, God will send an angel or several angels to move around and manipulate that person, you know, to try to get Mm -hmm. them into a place where they can hear the gospel or someone can, you Mm -hmm. know, the Bible talks about planting the seed and watering the seed and that, and that those angels will work with the Lord to, to, to go after our loved ones, but we have to pray our prayers, release the angels to do the work and mm-hmm. and many times because uh the christian christians as a whole we look at things so earthly bound like we look at things like everything you see is what it is but i hate to tell you everything we see is not what it is there is mm-hmm. a, a, there is a spiritual realm good and evil are always at work and the power of god is unleashed on the earth through our obedience to pray right and exactly. when, and when we pray, the power of God can always whoop the devil's butt. The devil's going to lose, but we have to pray to unleash and and loose the powers because mm-hmm. God doesn't do anything unless it's through prayer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when we understand that some sometimes somebody, you know, Jesus said these kind, they, they brought someone demon possessed that they had been trying to get uh, free. And he said, yeah. th- that one comes by prayer and fasting. He says, look, you're not just going to be able to lay hands on that one and that one and get free. You're going to have to have some power and some consecration behind your prayer. And so you mm-hmm. need to have some prayer and fasting when you go after a principality like that. And when, right. we, when we understand that there is a supernatural a world at work, there is an evil one mm-hmm. at work, but he is nothing when we begin to pray and fast and seek God because God's power can wipe him out at any any point but we do have to pray and that's why it's so important that we open our eyes and we begin to pray in the spirit which i believe mm-hmm. is the really the only way to combat the enemy
2: well absolutely and that's the thing is the apathy and prayer that we tend to see i don't want to you know paint too broad of strokes, and next thing is- young people praying and people seeking his face. But from my experience and talking to pastors and things that are happening in our nation, there's, there tends to be an apathy in prayer, especially among young people. And that's just a sign that we're not discerning the battle we're in. And we're not discerning what's at stake, you know, eternally. I mean, the reality of heaven and hell and, and we're not like you just touched on. We're not understanding the power of prayer. And so my hope um, is one of the fruits of this movement and what we are seeing is that as young people awaken to the reality of the, the war between good and evil, there's just such a longing to pray and that we're not helpless and we're not powerless because we can go to war in situations where we otherwise would be helpless and powerless. We could go to war on our knees and in prayer and um just see God do incredible things. So I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. Talk
0: about the uh let's talk about the first, maybe the first Couple of chapters. I know you can't give all the goodies away. We need to go read the book um, mm-hmm. and really digest the book. But let's talk about the first couple of chapters and and give us some insight. I know it's his senior year, and let's mm-hmm. talk about his near death. I mean, and there's been several. How many suicides had been in this school when he gets there? By the time
2: he gets there, I want to say it's eight um, eight suicides, which sounds you know like oh my gosh, are you serious? right now in Pearland High School. Not just the high school, but the district. I mean, I want to say in the last couple of years, they're up to 14 or 15 by now. You know, it's terrible. It's a tragedy. But these these things are happening. Um, but the character, Owen, he's intentionally likable. Um, he has an alcoholic, apathetic mother. So while he has a lot going for him, he's certainly not the guy who has it all together. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, if you read the book, the, the reason he's having to move is because of some bad decisions his mother has made. And so um, when he gets there, it's the typical thing. There's a, a, a girl he thinks is beautiful and he has a girlfriend and there's things in there that young people will really identify with. Um, and he asks them very candid questions. Um, I, I personally am not a huge fan of these Bible based stories about whether it be a movie or a book it just puts a pretty bow on everything. Like, um, you know, like life isn't gritty and hard and raw and sometimes sure. you pray and wonder why it's taken so long. I mean, and, and so anyway, throughout his struggle, we just see him ask some really candid questions. And, um, so, and, and of course he's sort of desensitized when he first gets there, he's, you know, all these suicides are just overwhelming and he's pretty much just worried about him graduating and getting out of there. But then he ends up meeting this, I'd call him a mysterious man, who offers him um, some water from this water well and he finds that after he drinks that he gets extremely ill but then when he wakes from that experience the next day he has this supernatural vision so naturally he wants to know what's in the water he goes to this natural you know what's the solution he's very scientific minded he has the water tested and he wants to cure what he thinks are hallucinations um, and then through a series of events, it becomes undeniable that no, I am not hallucinating. Other people are blind to the truth that I'm seeing, and so it's a total role reversal. The atheist trying to convince people <laughs> that this stuff is real. Um, so it's it's a very neat what you would call character arc throughout the story.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, um, what have you been doing? To get I know now that you're you're published and um, mm-hmm. are are you on a book tour, tell me how you 're getting your book out there
2: well honestly i ironically, I had to pretty much shut myself off the last two months to finish the sequel, which is going to come out this fall, which is great, and then Kindle also has a contract on Book three, which will come out in the fall of nineteen they've been very supportive and exciting. Excited about this series, but um, I do um, have a series of speaking engagements, and we're always promoting it. At, at that, we have a Bible study that goes with it called For Freedom, and awesome. I get yeah, it's it's been it's been incredible, and I and we just released that. Gosh, I guess it was early December, so it's not been out very long, but we're getting reports of um, families going through that with their their teenagers, and the incredible things it's doing, and then groups are starting groups where teenagers' parents are just inviting their um, teenagers' friends to the house. Um, And so they're inviting them over. um, But really, we are praying and searching for ways to continue to get the book into young people's hands. I do have a partnership with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I'm speaking, doing some speaking with them. And so God's definitely opening doors. Um, The book is for adults. Adults love it. But it was written— with teenagers in mind, and, and while I love the Christian young people to get a hold of it, it was written intentionally with an atheistic protagonist to reach that unchurched kid who will not go to church, who will not listen to a sermon podcast. Um, so really, it's going to take a grassroots movement of people getting excited and telling other people, and we're seeing that happen. That's so awesome. So, Lord, I yeah. just, as,
0: as we're going through this, Lord, I just ask you to supernaturally bless this book. I ask you to supernaturally open some huge supernatural doors for Laura mm-hmm. in this book, where this book can get mm-hmm. national media exposure, and mm-hmm. Laura can talk about, you know, the supernatural, the the uh, the, the way the enemy mm-hmm. works, that that people's mm-hmm. eyes across America could open up. Especially the church, Lord, that our eyes would open mm-hmm. up and then even the lost, the, the people that we mm-hmm. are looking for, God, that you would open the door for this book to get into thousands of young people's hands and yeah. be transformed by the power of this message and really open our eyes to what happens. You know, I've always told the kids and I've preached this mm-hmm. to even young parents. Um, Hollywood wants to get your kids dabbling in dark magic as a child. They, oh, yeah. They're coming after them. Mm-hmm. And so if we mm-hmm. as parents are not really careful about what protecting our children, and mm-hmm. then when they get old enough, explain to them, this is so important. I think this is great that... that uh, there's Bible studies going on with young people. This is great because people do need to understand that we are not all. We're, most of the time, we are not dealing with just flesh and blood, but we're dealing with absolutely uh, principalities and spirits that are that are assigned against us and want to come mm-hmm. after us and our children. Um, we're going to take a mm-hmm. short uh, break, and we're going to have a song here, some worship time, and we're going to come back and talk more about the book. We'll see you in a minute. Great.
3: The word says, for the spirit of heaviness, but on the garment of praise. That's how we fight our battles. Yeah. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles What we're doing tonight This is how I fight my battles Just when you think you're lost It may look like I'm surrounded But I'm surrounded by you Hey. It may look like I'm surrounded But I'm surrounded by you
0: So happy to have you back with us. I've got Laura Gallagher here. She's written a book called The Delusion. Uh, She's actually in the process of writing uh, a a couple of sequels. There will be some sequels to this book. Mm -hmm. And this is a book that is centered around uh, a high school kid by the name of Owen. He moves into a new town. And uh, he quickly realizes that this town uh, and this high school has been riddled with a bunch of suicides, eight suicides in this high school alone. And um, he didn't pay much mind about it until a near death experience himself. Can you talk a little bit, Laura, about what
2: that experience was? Well, yes. He, like I said, he um, has this mysterious man who seems to know more information than he should about Owen and there'll be a reveal in the sequels of who exactly this man is. Okay. But he um offers Owen a drink from this well, this water well, old brick well. Um, and it's on Owen's land that he inherited from his grandparents. And um at first Owen refuses the water. He thinks it's gross. There's probably bacteria in there. This is weird. But then um, he gets to thinking about, wow, how did that man know those things about me? And that well was mysterious because he, he thought it's dry. But the old man pulls up the bucket, and it's got water in it. So he ends up returning to the well, and, and the old man's there again, and he finally talks him into drinking it. And it makes him very ill, um, which, of course, he thinks, okay, great, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was contaminated Um, And he literally passes out. He's just, his stomach's really hurting. He passes out on his living room floor. And the next morning when he wakes up, he assumes, other than his stomach hurting, that he's fine. But people do not look fine. And it doesn't take long to notice. Humanity has these shackles and these chains and these cords. And um, throughout the rest of the book, he's making sense of what those are, the very practical side of what those are and why people have those. So you know that got is a lot of
0: that is so go good. that is so good, Laura. Because you know we we may not always be able to see people the way Owen saw. You know, the Lord opened his mm-hmm. eyes. He didn't realize it. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Down the, I'm sure as the book goes on, the sequel goes on. He's going to realize who's showing him what. But uh, the exactly. Lord opened his eyes to the shackles and the chains and the things that the people mm-hmm. were really dealing with. I was talking to somebody mm-hmm. the other day who happens to be a Christian and actually in the ministry. And mm-hmm. I realized as I was talking to this person that there was some, uh, insecurities that were speaking out, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. I just listened, I listened and my personality is, um, I'm not an insecure, I got a lot my, I got everybody's got their own bag of potatoes, you know? But I'm mm-hmm. I'm not a person that deals with a lot of insecurity. I just never have. I was always the fat girl all through school. I was a cheerleader. I was a fat oh. cheerleader. I never I never looked in the mirror and thought I was ugly. I thought I was a cute fat girl. I mean, I for whatever reason I had my sh- situations, but the insecurity was not one of them. <laughs> yes. So I've never been. I'm I'm just being honest, you know. And uh, That's so great. so I've never been real uh, compassionate with a lot of insecurity. Mm. Because I just, okay. I just never have. Now it's not something I would show or tell somebody. It was something that would go on in my mind. If if I realized somebody was insecure, I just, I, I you know, I just go the other way. Mm-hmm. It just it just doesn't settle well with me. Okay, okay. So okay. I'm listening to this preacher, and uh, I realize there's some insecurity there, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm I'm a, I'm a bit aggravated. I'm just listening, but I'm okay. aggravated. And, okay. and the Holy Spirit says to me, why don't you ask me what's wrong with her? Oh, okay. And I said, cause I, I you know, I, I, I haven't spent a ton of time with her and I said, mm-hmm. okay. I'll, I'll, and I, and so I said, Lord, what's wrong with her? And all of a sudden he opened my eyes and he showed me okay. every, every wound that caused that insecurity. And when yeah. he, ex- when he exposed the wounds to me, my, mm-hmm. the compassion lid flew off of my heart. And all of a sudden I didn't see her. She didn't annoy me anymore mm-hmm. because right. I saw her with the wounded heart that she had. And I was able mm-hmm. to respond with the love of Jesus because I wasn't just dealing with the fleshly Callie that doesn't dig insecure people. You know what I mean? Sure. And, sure. and so really that's what's happened to him. He's actually seeing the mm-hmm. demons that are manipulating people. And then you, you really start caring about the people that you're with because you realize okay. that they're victims of some demonic spirit that's gotten a hold of them. And what you're hearing and seeing is not them anyway.
2: Exactly, exactly, and he comes to understand how these various cords that the enemy uses against people, it represents habitual sin in their life, and there's these chains that represent unforgiveness towards certain people, and the chains lock around the enemy's hand, and the, the enemy literally torments people with their broken relationships and their habitual sin. And we watch the, the main protagonist go from being a very self-righteous person to to being very humbled himself and to really, really caring about people. And like you're saying, that's where we want to get. We want to not view it through eyes of, you know, a lens of self-righteousness or what annoys us or rubs us the wrong way, but really seeing it with compassion. And I have a lot of friends who do, multiple friends who do inner what we call inner healing ministry and they do exactly what you're talking about. They, they listen and prayerfully find those areas where a person has been wounded and they bring truth and dispel the lie. And it's amazing the healing that comes to the soul and these strongholds like insecurity and other things. They can be healed so powerfully by the Holy Spirit.
0: One of the things that I have really been teaching, you know, with our folks here that do Inner Healing Mm-hmm. You can get healed in a moment with, like you say, through prayer and exposing. but to keep your healing, Laura, you have mm-hmm. to pray in the spirit. Mm-hmm. You have to pray in the spirit and you have to stay in the word because that
2: is, absolutely it, right. that is. you know, mm-hmm. I've
0: seen people go through inner healing and inner healing. I believe in it. I've had, I do it. I've right. had it done. I believe in it, but it's just, there's a, there's a parable in the Bible. And it talks about when you clean the house out. And it's, it's, it's it's literally, it's a, it's a, a a type and shadow of us getting cleaned by the spirit. We clean our house out. We allow the Lord to come Mm -hmm. in and sweep it all. But he Mm -hmm. said, if you, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't fill it back up with the Lord, if you don't stay full of the Holy spirit, Mm -hmm. that that thing is going to come back and it's going to bring seven of its friends with them. And so you're going to have a bigger problem than once you started. So that's why it's so important as we as Christians, when God exposes a lie and brings freedom in an area and we begin Mm -hmm. to believe the truth about who we are and what we're called to do and what our Mm -hmm. what our place is in in this world. That's really what everybody's looking for. They're looking for their place in this world. There's a there's a song. In fact, Mm -hmm. in fact, one, I want you to play that. I want you to play Mm -hmm. place in this world. When we get through, Mm -hmm. everybody's looking for their place in this world. And Mm -hmm. Jesus is the only one that can really reveal my place in this world. And when Mm -hmm. he reveals my, not only does he free me of sin, that's, that's great. But he wants me to be Mm -hmm. a victorious Christian on earth. And if I'm walking around bound and living in the past and in fear and in torment of the broken relationships that I've been through or the bad mistake Mm -hmm. that I will never find the place, the God ordained place that I am called to function in and in his body. So I am so excited that you're writing this. Um, let's talk about, Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about the future books and what's coming next. Um, let's, I want you
2: to kind of dive into that. Yeah, well, it's funny you had mentioned the, you know, the enemy coming back with seven more wicked because that's a main theme in the third book that hasn't been written yet, but just that it's mapped out in my mind. But the second book really, uh, like I mentioned earlier, just really stresses and drives home the point of being able to discern good and evil when evil appears good, when evil takes on a form that seems innocent and palatable, and 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 we find Owen questioning, well, you know, I know the Bible says this, but that's, that's just a rule. You know, what if I want to be outside of the box with my spirituality? You know, and so we see him just really going down a path and coming to that place where he finally discerns good and evil. And there's some profound lessons in that. And like I said, that that book is called The Legend, and it comes out um, this fall. And then the third book will touch on on that principle that, um, you know, you were talking about deliverance. I think sometimes we get healed or we get delivered in an area because we're uncomfortable. You know, the pain of staying the same has become greater than the pain of change. So we see change for our marriage or our mental state or our emotional state. But getting the victory and getting free that's one part of it. But then we have to fill back up with Jesus. We have to replace that with a love for God. This isn't just about being, and that's where psychology kind of stops. Let's get you healthy. Let's get you functional. That's great. But we need, we need righteousness. We need um, to be like Christ. So anyway, the third book um, really focuses on prayer and on the church needing to come together for the well-being of this town. And, um, you know, there's some interesting things that can happen in church life. And again, just instead of tiptoeing on these things, I like to just bring it out in the open, but in a way that ends positively and reflects well on the church. So that
0: that, is, so, that that's is so, well, the church is the greatest organism, the greatest mm-hmm. institution um, mm-hmm. in, in the world. It is, it is God's mm-hmm. plan for, uh, taking care of his people. And, but, um, but it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect. Mm-mm. He's we're Mm-mm. dealing with people, but the God we serve is perfect. So that's the good news. That's the good news. Yes. So yes. you've, you've authored a Bible study to coincide with delusion Four. Mm-hmm. so you mm-hmm. you already have a Bible study with this one, right?
2: Yes. Well, we have um, a Bible study that we're calling "For Freedom." Okay. That, that yes, that coincides oh, with yeah, this. Oh, yeah, "For Freedom." Okay. Yes, yes, "For Freedom." And um, you know, we talk about unchurched kids reading the delusion, and while they may get definitely some truth out of it, um, certainly there's things that need to be explained spiritually, biblically. You know, and so the Bible study walks adults and young people through the process of recognizing. Um, the lies of the enemy, making this a very personal journey of introspection and applying truth and, and looking at the ways the enemy does put lies into our minds. And we do have these wounds that make us vulnerable. And so it walks, um, I keep saying young people, but again, it's for adults as well. Young people and adults, it walks them through the process, just a really good foundation of understanding what God's grace is and understanding our purpose, which is to love and know God and make his love known, if we're to summarize the scripture and just a foundational teaching on how to walk in victory over the enemy. And I'm I'm just so blessed hearing parents talk about how their students that they think are fine and doing great in life, when they start on the study, suddenly those student is crying and telling them. I mean boys, you know, just emotional girls, boys, teen boys crying and saying, you know, I've been battling this thought and this feeling and they have no idea. Because they've been internalizing it and getting to them say, okay, well, what is the truth? What does God's word say? Laura, let me ask you this. Why
0: do you think? Where do you think? Mm -hmm. Of course, we know the enemy has all kinds of ways, but there is an epidemic of it now. So it Mm -hmm. it seems to be worse than it's ever been. Where where do you think the open doors and the, the, where's the enemy getting
2: in? Well, it's easy. If you'll just again, a little soapbox here. It's easy to take advantage of a biblically illiterate generation. If you make it akin to slavery in the natural, um, the people who own slaves, their worst fear was that their slaves would learn how to read and know their rights. It's such a type in the spirit. We don't know our rights. We don't know the Bible. We sit in biology classes that teach us there is no God and you're unintellectual if you believe in creationism. You couple that with a divorce rate, casual sex, where we're just fracturing our soul's pornography, the sin that creeps in, you know, the occultic things that are trendy now, the breakdown huh. of the family, all these things, it's, it's, it's the perfect storm. Yeah, and it's as
0: rampant he, in the church as it is out of
2: the church. To say, Unfortunately, you know, you hate Congressional, you hate, hate church, but yes, we're finding it. there's still... There's still such a taste to salvation, which is incredible. I mean, I'm an evangelist at heart. We have to preach the gospel. Please don't misunderstand. But it's not just preach the gospel, grow the church. You know, yeah. preach the gospel, grow the youth ministry. It's get healed, get holy, Understand what righteousness is. Understand well, the call of the biblical morality.
0: Jesus said, go out into the world. And he said, I want you to me- preach the gospel and make disciples. Mm-hmm. When you make a disciple you are dealing with a whole man. You mm-hmm. are saying, I'm committed to your healing holistically. Mm-hmm. I'm not just committing to get you down the aisle to get you to accept Jesus to be your personal Savior. And then mm-hmm. hope you're going to show back to church up at least at Christmas and Easter. We're we're believing that you're going to get saved, get filled with His Spirit, be delivered of every... um. Every mm-hmm. stronghold that the enemy has. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I've, Laura, I've been in this a long time. I've seen people come yeah, to the yeah. altar and get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and delivered of alcoholism, drug addiction, pornography. I mean, they'd walk away and never touch it again. Mm-hmm. I've seen that kind of deliverance happen at an altar. And then I've seen people mm-hmm. come and get just as radically saved, but go back to their pew and they have to walk through a process of deliverance. And and it has to, it comes in pieces and why one Mm -hmm. will happen instantaneously and one happens in pieces. I don't know, but the church Mm -hmm. has to be here because there's a whole lot more people that it happens for in, in, uh, it's like an onion. It's being peeled back one layer at a time. Oh, exactly. And we have to be here for the church, and help them through that process. You know, um, when my, my kids were growing up, and my kids have done things wrong. You know, I've raised five kids, and it ain't all been perfect, and they're still not all perfect. But they love Jesus, and, we, you know, overall, mm-hmm. we, we're on a good trend here. So mm-hmm. I'm happy. But I didn't let my kids, mm-hmm. first of all, for the I was strict Pentecostal for many years. We didn't have a TV. We
2: mm-hmm. didn't have
0: one. We didn't own one. And Mm -hmm. so they, if they wanted to go see a movie or go see something on television, they had to sneak off somebody else's house to do it because we didn't have Mm -hmm. them. And, and Mm -hmm. I don't think I hurt my kids a bit. And, you know, we didn't have, Mm -hmm. I never just let my kids watch when, when PlayStation came out. Of course, we didn't stay in strict Pentecost and we ended up getting TVs, but we monitored everything our children watched. We just didn't mm-hmm. let our children watch. And we didn't watch a bunch of filth and craziness. Right. I just, I right. don't watch that. I'm, I'm not going, why would I want to open my spirit up to that? It that makes no sense. And then we didn't sure. let our children, I'll never forget my sister, who's pr- way stricter probably than I am. I was probably the more lenient one of the of the bunch. But mm-hmm. I remember her, uh, you know, the kids, we bought some sort of a PlayStation, something, this was back in the nine, uh uh, 2000, early 2000, we had just started the church. It mm-hmm. might've been 2002 and we bought, I don't, it wasn't a PlayStation. It was, I don't know, something like a PlayStation mm-hmm. and uh-huh. the kids went and bought some game. And of course we knew nothing about these games, you know, so the, somebody took them and they bought some game. Well, when Cindy, that they were in the room and when Cindy heard what was on that game, there was some some sort mm-hmm. of kill game and you know, it was just not good. Yeah. She went uh-huh. in there and pull that thing out, broke it into a million pieces and told the kids that they ever got anything like that 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 that, that, that uh, station was coming out of there never to be seen yeah. again. I mean, we yeah. we were probably strict. You know, you would say okay, Callie and Cindy were strict, but I don't regret that because you know, you you open the gate for your children to for for the enemy to just go all the all the enemy needs is a cor- a crack in the door and he's in.
2: That's right. And and when our kids understand the spiritual fight and when our passion for righteousness is matched with a love walk with God, so this isn't just legalism or we're worried about a reputation, you know, at the, what are the deacons going to say about us? When when our kids understand, no, we love God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so we what we do, we do knowing he's watching us and with us. That's a whole different plant to it. When you talk about this need to see people get healed and delivered, I like what a friend of mine said. He said, you can cast out a devil, but you can't cast out a broken heart. And yeah. it takes time to see people yeah. get healed. And I'm not, I'm not accusing this of being the motive at every church, but as long as the focus of the church is growing bigger... And not focusing on, right, but the people we have, are they healthy? Are they whole? And, of course, you can't force change on people. But are we doing everything we can to build relationships to where there's even a place? I mean, Sunday morning is not necessarily the place for a man to confess that he's battling pornography or a woman yeah, that's right. having an affair. So, anyway, it just takes being very intentional to be a good steward of the of the people we already have and not grow at the expense of really getting to know people. But I couldn't agree with you more about having high standards, it's just a it's just lost in the church, in my opinion. I, I just feel like the church at large is not preaching righteousness. Yeah, we should. I'm just going record with saying that. We, I, I'm, we, I just don't think they are.
0: Well, I think they're afraid. They're a lot of them are afraid. They don't want to be labeled a uh, you know, they um, don't want
2: to lose members. Well, you know, they don't want to lose members, and,
0: they don't want to lose tithers, and they don't want to be labeled a hell-fired brimstone preacher. But the thing is, the bottom line is there is there is righteousness that does need to be preached um mm-hmm. because people need to know a lot of these young people that come into the churches they they get saved and they really want to serve god but they don't they never ha- had anybody teach them that oh exactly they just never had anybody teach them that you had, you need to be modest or you no, you you exactly. need to you know and mm-hmm. um my kids were taught this their whole life have they always uh, done what I said. Nope, they haven't, but they need to be taught. And then, because here's the thing we, we teach and we train and we lead people into righteousness. We lead people into the truth and then we allow the Holy spirit to be their God and to, Mm -hmm. to convict them. And we, and we Mm -hmm. show them love and we show them honor, but we do not, we do not, um, Compromise what is right and wrong. The Bible is so true. Somebody asked me my stance on homosexuality, and I said I don't have a stance on homosexuality. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have mm-hmm. a stance. My belief system is what God says. He has right. a stance on it, and I'm with Him. But do I love the homosexual? Yes, I love everybody. Of course. Uh, I, I have. I. I. I will sit down and go to dinner and. And be friends, and I'll 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 love anybody, but I don't have a Mm -hmm. stance. It's what the Bible says, and I've chosen Mm -hmm. to believe and to live my life by what the Bible says. And I think when we take that approach, and it doesn't become a, you know, we don't want to be known as. And some Christians are mean. Mm-hmm. They're That's
2: religion at its worst. Yeah. It legalism. Yeah. Legalism. Some Christians... Unfortunately, you can slip into that ditch real quick. You can. But it, it lacks the love and the mercy and the grace. And of course, of course, like I said, the more, especially in our own homes, the more, the higher our biblical moral standards, the, the more our love lock, our fruit has to be there,
0: you know, well, to, that, to build the, the right foundation. The thing is, Jesus said, he said, look, if you can go out and you... You can cast mountains into the sea and you, you prophesy like nobody else and you lay hands on the sick and they're recovered and you speak to mm-hmm. the mountain and it's removed. But he said, if you don't have love, it doesn't really mean anything. And so you, you're right, mm-hmm. Laura, as if we grow our love walk, then when we go to instruct, and I found this, Laura, when I love mm-hmm. somebody and I mm-hmm. truly love them, they, they mm-hmm. can take my instruction because they know where it comes from. But, you know, sure. I, I have a, I ha, I don't, I will not mentor somebody that I don't love. Mm-hmm. Now, if right. they ask me a question, I'll tell them the truth, but I'm not going to take somebody on to mentor them and really try to help them and correct them if I don't love them because I know it won't go down right, you know? So I love, sure. you, I, I think this book is really called of God because it's a, it's a great story, but it's done in a way that does not feel, uh, religious or hurtful. And I think that is so important. Um, yes. Thank you. Where can people get the book and the Bible study? Tell us where we can get it. Well, the
2: book is on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any of the major, um, retail outlets. And we have links at com. There's links where you can buy them and on Amazon it's an ebook and it's, um, even an audio book, which is great. So there's a lot of awesome. different formats. Yeah, as far as the Bible study, you can also find a link for this at delusionseries.com, but that's through my personal author website, lauragallier.com. I know there are two URLs out there, but if you just go to delusionseries.com, that's where you can buy the Four Freedom Bible study. So.
0: How can we be praying for this project and to help move this mm-hmm. vision forward?
2: Mm-hmm. Gosh, and that's the thing. We have a team of people that have been praying for years, and that's that's where the power is, as you know, and our confidence is in God. Um, I would just ask, like you already prayed earlier, for God to open doors for young people to, to drive the movement behind this book, you know, for young people to read it and tell their friends and um, for schools and churches and these different organizations to get a hold of it and um, just apply the message of the book. I just, I truly believe it has power to transform this generation as they awaken to these truths.
0: Well, so, I I praying, really, praying to young people. I really Go see, ahead. I really see the Lord opening some
2: major doors
0: for you this year, two thousand eighteen. I see you mm-hmm. on a talk show. I believe God is going to help you uh, get this message out there. I also see the Lord downloading um, just mm-hmm. um, incredible, creative ways to paint mm. the picture of his redemption. Amen. And uh, I, I, see, I see God giving you incredible creative ways. And I just prophesy and declare mm-hmm. that you're going to get incredible creative ways to illustrate yeah. God's redemption in these yeah. books so that people will see it and they will grasp it and their hearts will be set ablaze. Because really, mm-hmm. consecration comes from a love affair. You, you and mm-hmm. and you're so right Laura we must preach righteousness but r- righteousness really is just consecration it's me making Mm -hmm. a decision that i'm going to live a consecrated heart and really Mm -hmm. follow this righteous god with my whole heart and not do anything to displease him and i just just declare in jesus name that there is Mm -hmm. a young people are going to get a hold of this book and there is going to be Mm -hmm. a holy righteousness and consecration that comes from you lord that drives young people to want to serve you Mm -hmm. on a higher level it's like when you marry You know, when you marry, it's not that you don't ever see someone that's a nice looking man or a man won't see Mm -hmm. a beautiful woman, but their heart is with their spouse. Mm -hmm. And because their heart is with their spouse, their body Mm -hmm. is consecrated to that spouse. Mm -hmm. That's good. And Lord, I just thank you that we are consecrated to you today. I thank Mm -hmm. you, Lord, that our hearts are consecrated to you, that we make a choice. Mm -hmm to live holy unto you, not not so that we can check off some spiritual elitist list or so that somebody will think that we love Jesus better than we do. We do it because right. we love you, Jesus, because we desire your presence, because we desire to have fellowship with you. Lord, I don't want anything to come between yours and my fellowship. And I just thank mm-hmm. you for a movement of young people. I bless the delusion. I bless Mm -hmm. this book. I prophesy that this book will go all over the world. I prophesy Mm -hmm. that thousands upon thousands of people will read it and be delivered. And God, you will open their eyes to the supernatural Mm -hmm. surroundings around them. And they will see how powerful they are when they are surrendered to God. I thank you, Lord, for a prayer movement that's coming across America, a prayer movement. God, give us a hunger for prayer. Young people, Lord. Give us a hunger for prayer. I thank Mm -hmm. you, Lord, for Laura. I plead the blood of Jesus around Laura and her husband and her children. I ask you, God, you. to put a bloodline around them, the blood of Jesus, mm-hmm. and that no enemy can step over that line and wound mm-hmm. Laura in any way. I just Thank declare God. that you are whole, Laura. You will not be wounded mm-hmm. in any way, mm-hmm. and you will not live with a uh, a constant struggle. I see God just giving you—I mm-hmm. see you—there's uh, things that are being clipped off of your wings— and you're mm-hmm. flying effortlessly. Uh, last mm-hmm. year, you, uh, you, you tried to fly, but there were heavy weights on your wings and, mm-hmm. um, the enemy kept you low to the ground, but I see God clipping those things off and you're flying yeah. high in the spirit and you're flying with the freedom and love and joy And uh, you're you're experiencing Mm -hmm. such joy in 2018. 2018 is going to be a
2: year of great joy for you. Amen. You have no idea how on point that is. No idea. So great. Thank you so much. You're welcome,
0: sweetheart. I'm excited about what God's doing. Uh, It's going to be a great, great year. God bless you. And we'll see y'all next week. We're we're going to have Miss Laura back with us next week. God bless you. We'll see y'all next week. Bye-bye. God bless.
1: For the past hour, you've been listening to The Warrior's Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves as your host. For more information concerning this program, go to bpnradio.com.